Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all this morning. And uh, I'd like you to, uh, to turn with me, please, to uh, Galatians chapter 5. And once again, we're reading from the 16th verse to the end of the chapter. That's uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Well, of course, this week, you've probably uh, seen it advertised quite a lot. You've probably heard the words, Black Friday, and uh, whether or not any of you picked up a, um, a bargain on Black Friday, I'm not quite sure, but um, I did see this quote, and I thought it would be good to, uh, to read it out this morning, and it said this, it says, that only one Black Friday offers eternal savings. Think about that for a minute, only one Black Friday offers eternal savings. On that first Friday, that first Good Friday, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that there was darkness over the face of the earth. And that was a Black Friday. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, he made it possible for us to be saved. Not just for time, but for eternity. And that's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the gospel that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth 2,000 years ago, and he lived a perfect and sinless life. And he died a cruel and agonizing death upon a cross. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he is alive today. And when he died on the cross, he took the punishment for your sins and for my sins. And if we are to be saved, if we're going to 
take advantage of that eternal benefit, then we must put our trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Why? Because he's the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no, no one can come to me, and no one can come to the Father except through me. So that is the gospel, and that is a starting point, if you like, of living a Christian life. When we come to a realization that we have sinned in the sight of God, that we have broken his law, and we need his forgiveness. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our own personal saviour, that is when our Christian journey begins. And, of course, we are looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And so when we, when we are born again of the Spirit of God, when we are born into God's family, that is when we start to grow, or at least we should start to grow. I said right at the beginning of this, uh, this series that, um, that if a baby is born naturally into a family, then uh, if that child uh, didn't grow and develop, then we would, we would be very concerned. And it's the same in the spiritual realm, that when we are born into God's family, we start to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also we start to mature in the faith. And as we go on from day to day, and as we rely more upon the Spirit of God, that is when the, well, that is when the fruit of the Spirit is produced in our lives. Now, we've, we've already done three of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we've done love, we've done joy, and we've done peace. Now, the one that we... Uh, are going to look at this morning is patience and uh, that may be a challenge to you I have to say that it's a challenge to me as well because I am not the most patient of people but you know I once saw a poster and it said this it said have patience with me because God has not finished with me yet and that's good, isn't it? <laughs> because each one of us who are trusting in the Lord, we are a work in progress. God hasn't finished with us yet. We're still being refined. We're still being conformed to the image of God's dear Son. And so patience. Patience. The Greek word for patience, I'm going to try and pronounce it. I'm certainly not a Greek scholar, but the word is makrothumia, makrothumia, and it means a good temper. And it denotes a person who does not easily fly off the handle, maintains good composure regardless of human events. And of course, in the uh, in the authorized version, uh, it does describe this fruit of the spirit not as patience, but as long suffering. Now, if I got to um, 
pick someone out of the congregation this morning and say that they were long-suffering, then I would pick you, Graham. <laughs> now, I, I, have to make, I, I have to make it clear that it's nothing to do with Graham being married to Annette. <laughs> But you see, the reason Graham is long-suffering is because he's a Birmingham City supporter. <laughs> and because he's a Birmingham City supporter, then he's probably got a, few, a little bit more long-suffering to come. <laughs> One commentator said this about the four he said this fourth fruit of the spirit expresses the attitude to people which never loses patience with them however unreasonable they may be and never loses hope for them however unlovely and unteachable they may be Patience and good temper are not to be confused with apathy or indifference. In the days of the early church, there was a group of people and they called themselves the Stoics. And they made apathy and indifference a virtue. They said nothing is worth suffering for. So build a wall around your heart and keep out all sense of feeling. The early Christians did not take that view because Christians are people who care about others. And caring about others and putting others before ourselves is a mark of Christian maturity. Patience is a characteristic of the believer. The Apostle Paul in Hebrews 12 and verse 1 said, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So first of all, we need to be patient with ourselves. There, is, there are some who are constantly putting themselves down. Well, I'm not very good. I, I can't do this and I can't do that. Suffering from low self-esteem. And maybe an inferiority complex. Comparing themselves with others. Well, they seem to be making it all the time. They seem to have got their act together. They seem to be walking with the Lord and somehow it's really hard for me. It's difficult and I'm having a real struggle. But if you look at the, the people in Scripture who had real struggle. You see, one thing I like about the Bible, that it doesn't, just, uh, it doesn't just record the successes of people. It records the failures as well. Why? Because they were ordinary people, just like you and me. You know, they weren't always rejoicing. They weren't always on the mountaintop. There were times when they entered into the, the valley. Moses was one such person. You remember he was uh, he was taken uh, into uh, into the palace of Pharaoh where he grew up and when he and uh, as he got a little bit older and he, he he noticed the the burdens of his people and he identified with them 
And on one occasion, he saw an Egyptian taskmaster who was beating one of the Hebrew slaves. And of course, he, uh, he went out and he killed this Egyptian and buried him in the sand. It wasn't the best move, but he identified with his people. And of course, we know what happened to Moses 40 years in the, in the back of the desert looking after sheep. And then God called him at the age of 80. You know, so there is there's hope for some of us yet, isn't there? <laughs> but it wasn't perfect. Even when God told him to speak to the rock, because he'd already because water had come out of the rock at Hor at Horeb, then he then he thought he could he thought he could do the same again. But God he was rebuked because of his disobedience. And then, of course, there was David. David described he's described in the scripture as a as a man after God's own heart. But we know that he fell. He was tempted, and he uh, he, he he committed adultery. He committed murder, and he realized his sin. And although although he had to pay the consequences of his sin, we find that uh, that he was restored. In Psalm 51, he prayed that prayer and he said, Restore unto me the, the joy of your salvation. And God restored him. But he slipped. David slipped. He wasn't perfect. And then there was Jonah, who, uh, in fact, Mark mentioned Jonah last week. And uh, he, he was told to go to Nineveh to preach to the people because of the wickedness, uh, because, because they were so wicked and God wanted them to repent and he sent Jonah or he spoke to Jonah and he said, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach to them. I want you to warn them that they need to repent. And of course, we know that Jonah went in the opposite direction. He wasn't perfect either, was he? And then there was Peter. Peter, one of the disciples who was probably the spokesman for the disciples, the one who always spoke and then thought afterwards. Uh, but uh, when Jesus said that he would deny him, he says, even if I have to go to prison with you, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. But on the, on the day that Jesus was arrested and he was confronted, we find that Peter denies Jesus three times. And so we, we've got these Bible characters and we find that most of them, they, they messed up at some time or another. And so when we, when we mess things up, we think, well, I'm, I'm not doing very well as a Christian. I'm not doing the things that I ought to be doing. I seem, you know, I seem to be struggling too much. I don't seem to be able to overcome. Let's be patient with ourselves because God doesn't condemn us. You know, when, when we fall, he picks us up, he dusts us off, and he sets us back on the road once more. You see, what about Jesus? I mean, he was our supreme example, and he was the one who never sinned. And, uh, and in fact, we, the question is, did Jesus ever lose his temper? Did Jesus always exercise patience? I believe he did. I believe that Jesus I believe that Jesus produced all the fruit of the spirit that we read about there in Galatians in um, 
In Mark's Gospel in chapter 3, it says, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal see if he would heal him on the Sabbath day. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. And it says he looked round at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. You see, Jesus looked around at them in anger because he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. And then still in Mark, uh, Mark's Gospel and chapter 11, chapter 11 and verse 15, it says, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. As he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. You see, Jesus did not lose his temper in those situations, but he displayed righteous indignation, but he was always in control. We're living days where people generally speak and haven't got that much patience. Why? Because we live in days where we want things instantly. And sometimes we can get things instantly, like instant coffee and instant gravy. We can get, we can get instant credit. And, of course, we can get instant delivery. You know, if you happen to have Amazon Prime, then you can, you can put an order online one day and then you can have it the next day. Next day. We don't want to wait for it. We want it now. When do we want it? We want it now. And so that's the way things are sometimes. But there are times in our Christian experience when we, we have to wait. We have to just be patient. We have to display that fruit of the spirit of patience. And so there are times when we need, we not only do we need to be patient with ourselves, but we also need to be patient with God. Once again, if we look at the, uh, the, uh, the, the people in the scripture, we look, at, uh, we look at Abraham, for instance, and God gave him a promise. God said that he would make him a great nation. And he said that he would have a son. Of course, you know, the, uh, when, 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 the, when the promise was not fulfilled, Abraham began to get a little bit restless. And he began to think, well, did you really promise this God? Did you really say that I'm going to have a, a son of my own? And of course, he, he tried to help God 
you know, well, I, well, I can do something to help it. And of course, they, uh, between him and Sarah, they devised a way of having a child, which, uh, of course, it wasn't in God's plan. But God still fulfilled his promise. That was the thing. God still fulfilled his promise. But Abraham had to wait. He had to wait. And, and I'm, I'm sure that that waiting, it wasn't particularly easy for him. But after 25 years of waiting, God fulfilled his promise. And Isaac was born. And then... The next character I want to look at is Joseph. Now, he had to exercise some patience too. Joseph was called by his brothers the dreamer. You know, he, he, he had these dreams and he was, uh, he was about 17 years old when, he, uh, when his brothers decided that they wanted to get rid of him. And so they put him in a pit. Uh, the, the original uh, plan was to kill him. But uh, they, they didn't go through with that, but they decided to put him in a pit. And they put him in a pit, and then there were, there were some, there were some Ishmaelite, Ishmaelite tri uh, traders who, uh, who were passing through. So they decided to sell him. And he was taken to Egypt, and he was sold as a slave. He went to... Uh, he was he, he, he was a slave in Potiphar's house and and very soon he was promoted so that he was looking after Potiphar's affairs and then he was uh, thrown into prison for something that he didn't do falsely accused thrown into prison and there he interpreted dreams and um and of course um the uh, those dreams there was the butler and the baker who we met there and their dreams that they had had joseph interpreted for them and when uh, the butler was released uh, joseph says remember me when you go back to pharaoh's house pharaoh's palace and just tell him about me and and, and the bible tells us that it was another two years before the butler remembered. It was after it was after Pharaoh had had a dream and asked for the interpretation, and he remembered Joseph. But that was another two years. So in all, Joseph had had to wait. He had these dreams that his his brothers were were going to bow down to him, and he must have wondered, especially when he was in prison. He must have wondered, is that dream ever going to be? fulfilled well in fact it was fulfilled because uh, because after the the famine in uh, Egypt uh, Joseph was put in charge of distributing the the food and of course the scripture does tell us that his brothers came and they did bow down before him so God fulfilled the dream God fulfilled the dream, but, he, but Joseph had to wait. It wasn't a case of, well, I've had a dream to, today and it will be fulfilled tomorrow. In fact, in all, Joseph had to wait for 13 years. So maybe you've received a promise from God and that promise, it, it hasn't been fulfilled at this point in time. But maybe you need to be patient with God. And just believe that what he said will come to pass. I'm sure that people 
uh, who came to this church years ago and faithful people and there was very small number for years and years and uh, and some of those people now they're in glory and uh, you know I hope they can see that you know that their prayers have now been answered you know that God has added to his church and um, and although they didn't see it in their own lifetime that's uh, that God has uh, God has been faithful and answered their prayers and of course one of the um, one of the best examples of patience in the scriptures is Job and of course you know it's mentioned you know it's mentioned sometimes out of context when people say well I need the patience of Job and of course Job was was very patient I mean uh, it was referred to in, uh, in in James 5 and verse 11 um, uh, James says you have heard of the patience of Job he's remembered and he's noted for his patience why because he was patient during his tribulation and um, we see that even when even when he was undergoing all these problems that that came his way he got 10 children and and the 10 children they all died he lost his he, he lost his herds he lost his cattle and he was afflicted physically as well and yet he still did not curse god because it says here in job uh, chapter 23 and verse 10 but he knows the way that I take and when he has tested me I shall come forth as gold you see sometimes before the fulfillment there is a testing and there was a testing for Job and he could he could say even though he was sorrowful about what had happened to him he says the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was a patient man. You see, there's time when our patience is severely tested. And I'm not just talking about waiting in queues at the post office. Or waiting in a queue at the supermarket checkout. Or being stuck in a traffic jam. That's my pet hate and that's my weakness which I confess before you this morning <laughs> being stuck in a traffic jam nothing's moving it's really terrible isn't it it really is what about praying for our loved ones those who have gone astray those who are no longer walking the path no no longer walking the path that the, that they once walked what about those who have never come to the Lord they've never made a commitment they've never they've never become a Christian friends don't lose patience because I believe that as we continue to pray that God will answer our prayers pray continue to pray for your loved ones don't give up because God is faithful patience is the fruit of the spirit and our lives are not entirely free from tension 
because there are a certain amount of tension is necessary. It's part of life. James 1 verse 3 says, The testing of your faith produces patience. The testing of your faith produces patience. It's like a violin string or a guitar string. If there's no tension put on that string, then it is incapable of producing any music. But most of our tensions, they drive us not toward God, but toward our own will. But when we display patience as the fruit of the Spirit, then we have a good temper. So we need to be patient with ourselves. We need to be patient with God. And we also need to be patient with others. You see, when we lose our temper, not only do we harm others, but we harm ourselves also. Psalm 37 verse 8 says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. And as we read that that definition of patience that I read at the beginning, it says, Patience expresses the attitude to people which never loses patience with them, however unreasonable they may be, and never loses hope for them, however unlovely and unteachable they may be. You see, when the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, he influences all our reactions. Are you waiting for something? Is your patience wearing thin right now? Hang in there. You see, patience is a characteristic of God. And in um, we find that God is patient. You know, I'm glad that God is, was, has been patient with me. Because... Just like some of the guys in the Bible, just like some of the people in the scriptures, I've messed up a few times as well. But God hasn't cast me off and said, well, I'm finished with you. And it's the same with you. I'm sure you feel the same. You know, that God has been patient with you. He hasn't, he hasn't abandoned you just because you haven't done what you hoped you would do or what he hoped you would do. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, it says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the, the day of God 
and speed is coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. We believe that Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe that? Yes. Jesus is coming soon. But the day of grace is extended. It says God is patient so that others might be brought into the kingdom, so that other people might hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and so that they also might repent and that they might come to him so that they might be part of his eternal kingdom. So when producing patience, we become more like Jesus. I said that Jesus is our supreme example and our desire is to become more like him. And so as we grow in grace and as we produce the fruit of the Spirit, be patient with yourself. Be patient with God and be patient with others. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for your patience with us. We thank you, Lord, that you have saved us by your grace. And Lord, although there have been times when we have been rebellious, there's been times when we have mess things up we thank you lord that you have not lost patience with us and lord we pray that we shall live lives that are pleasing to you that we that we shall live lives that will attract others to you so that uh, as this day of grace is extended until jesus comes again we pray lord that the message of the gospel might be spoken lord not just through the uh, through the preaching in pulpits, but by our very lives, so that others might know that there is a God who loves them, there is a Saviour who died for them and longs to be part of their lives. Help us, we pray, because we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.